Hi, it's Lynn Hirschberg. Welcome to 2021. I hope that you guys survived 2020. Personally, I feel like it was a big blur and there were no podcasts, (laughs) or at least there was no Five Things with Lynn Hirschberg. So we're back. I hope you enjoy it. It's been really wonderful to talk to people again. Unfortunately, they haven't been in person. I'm looking forward to when I can actually sit with someone and do a podcast and look into their eyes. But, you know, we all have our goals, and that's mine. In the meantime, I really hope you enjoy these, and I look forward to many, many more. Thank you. Andrew Day was first known as a singer. But more recently, she just won the Golden Globe for Best Actress and is nominated for an Academy Award for playing Billie Holiday in the United States versus Billie Holiday. She is remarkable in the film, riveting, fascinating, dark, and she sings Billie Holiday almost as well as Billie Holiday sings Billie Holiday. This is Andra Day. The way this podcast works, I don't know if they gave you the lay of the land, but it's five things. And the first thing is a person in your life that's had a lot of importance or a lot of, you know, meaning to you. So who would that person be? Oh, that's hard to pick because I I mean, I, I'm going to go with it's the most obvious, but it is both of my parents. You know, I, I think they they supported me and they believed in me. And I don't think it was until I got older that I realized that when you want to pursue the arts, not all families are as supportive, I'm as supportive as they could be, you know what I mean? Emotionally. And yeah, so I would say definitely my parents and that's a blessing, you know. How old were you when you told them you wanted to be a performer? <laughs> I don't even know if I ever said it. I think they just always knew. <laughs> so I don't even, I wish I had that one epiphany moment where I was like, this is what I want to do. But I think, I think the epiphany moments were when I would come to my parents and be like, oh y'all, I want to be a paleontologist. They'd be like, okay, baby, just go on ahead and keep singing. <laughs> Or I'm like, I'm going to be a lawyer. They're like, "Mm, okay. We just, they just, I feel like they always knew. They always say that they always knew. And I started going to performing arts school when I was dancing when I was really young, was doing shows and stuff when I was like 11. I just always have enjoyed it. I've always loved it. And so I think that was always something they knew was, was something I would pursue. Were they tough on you in terms of making you practice and making you... Uh... No, they weren't. I used to be annoyed with them because I'm like, why aren't you hard? Like I wanted them to be like stage moms and dads. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, well, because when you're young, you don't realize your parents have their own shit going on too <laughs> with their kids. <laughs> There's also four of us in total. So I was like, why isn't all the focus on me? You know? <laughs> No, but, uh, but uh, no, they weren't. It was very, and it was so funny because I'd always try to go to those John Robert Powers and those whatever things are, Barbizons. And I, got so and I used to get so pissed when they wouldn't pay money for them, you know, and like, you know, and they'd be, I didn't realize they were protecting me from certain things. Also, we didn't have money like that, you know? So, so yeah, I actually wish they would have pushed me more or pushed me harder, but I, I also am grateful that they just allowed me to just, listen, if you love it, go after it. And you got to do this. You know what I mean? If you really, really love it, I can't push you into doing it. You got to push you into doing it. And so that created definitely a, a work ethic in me for sure. Was there a particular place that has enormous meaning for you, like a city or it can be actually a place like a concert hall too. It doesn't have to be a geographic place. Mm, yeah, well... I mean, a place that has a lot of meaning for me, just in, <laughs> I mean, 
Well, my home city, for sure. I mean, it doesn't have to be geographic, but definitely Southeast San Diego, particularly Southeast San Diego, where I'm from. And the performing arts school that I went to there, you know, I think it just taught me how to be present, you know what I mean? And, 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 you know, helped to just teach me about just the performance arts and, and just how to engage with an audience as well, too. So, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, Southeast San Diego, that's, that's the place, (laughs) you know? When you went to the school, did you have to audition to get in? You know what? I typically most kids did have to audition, but I went to what you call a feeder school. So there were a few schools. Valencia Park was a school I went to. So they already had a focus on the arts at Valencia Park. And then there was other schools, Oak Park, um, O'Farrell, Zamorano. Those all were like feeder schools for SCPA, which is the school for creative and performing arts, the middle school and high school, which is what it was. So I didn't necessarily have to audition, but I mean, you, once you get there, you have to audition for everything else. So you really have to go through, you know, kind of that process, you know what I mean? When you're, when you're young. And I think, I think it's valuable, you know, it's definitely different from doing a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Were you like the lead in the, in the musicals and things like that? I was a few times. I I did play uh, the two leads that I played not every time, you know, I, we did like 42nd Street. I wasn't the lead in that. We did Oklahoma. We did a show called The Quilt, which is a beautiful show. Um, wasn't the lead in those, but the two that I was lead in, we did Once on this Island and I played T-Moon. And uh. then we, we did Gypsy and I played um, Gypsy Rose Lee. So those were the two that I, I led at the school. <laughs> I think in my wow. Life. Gypsy Rose Lee is an amazing part. You have to strip. Yeah. No, you do. Exactly. The school was very <laughs> progressive, honey. Super progressive. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember one time doing the show and I remember like the boys started cheering at the end when the strip happened and all you hear is a loud voice from the back telling everybody to please shut the fuck up. I was like, oh, my dad. <laughs> that's great. I love that. And that's a, that's an amazing musical because you get to really belt. That's a, that's a great yeah, musical. Yeah, I love the song with her and her sister. You know what I mean? Yeah. The song Mom, you know, that's a really, it's, it's enjoyable. It's all this, it's, it definitely you know, was a a, a place for exploration, I think, for us more than anything. And that's why I am such a huge advocate of the arts because it, um, I think, you know, we sort of have one system of learning, but we've got all of these different types of kids that come from different places. And so I think the arts really, really makes sort of these kids, they're more molded, they're more like, um, how do you describe it? They can explore more, you know what I mean? It's it's a way for them to learn. It opens up different parts of their brain. So I think it's more useful than just getting kids a career in the arts. It actually helps them to learn and absorb information, you know. Did you sing jazz there too? I did. Yes, I did. I was in a choral ensemble, a jazz choral ensemble, women's ensemble, and then a choral ensemble there. And then I was introduced. My my dad loves jazz. And then I, I found out actually that my late grandfather on my mother's side was also a jazz singer and a musician, which I only knew about a few years ago. But in school, I did, I did, we did jazz vocal performance and I, and my musical theater instructor was a great lover of jazz. So he's actually who put me on to Billie Holiday in the first place. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you heard Strange Fruit? Well, it was actually when he first told me about her, which I was about 11. I think it was like 11 or 12 years old. And he didn't tell me to listen to Strange Fruit. He just told me to listen to Billie Holiday. So mm-hmm. First two songs that I heard was a song called Sugar. And then I heard strange fruit and it was just for me it was like the first time hearing her voice was really just confusing because I just was like you know I was looking for singers to study and I expected the voice to come through and sound like Whitney's or sound like Aretha's or you know sound like what I had been used to and then she came through sugar I was like what the hell is this you know (laughs) 
but I was really stuck on it. It was so interesting. It's like listening to her voice. You feel like you're hearing a voice that's, I mean, her voice definitely had damaging wear on it, but you almost feel like you're hearing a voice that's weak until you get to the end of whatever song you're listening to. You realize, wow, she really has control of whatever this instrument is. You know, it feels like it's going to fall off the tracks, but it never does. So her tone was so different. So it really just helped me to be like, wow, this is one of the greatest singers that's ever lived. So it changed my perception of what a great singer is, you know, and helped me to own my own voice. And, and then I heard strange fruit and that just changed everything. I mean, it was, it wasn't just her tone and her phrasing. It was that I couldn't speak. I was just very quieted and almost prostrate mm-hmm. as I was listening, wow. thinking to myself. And I just could cry just thinking about who I feel bad for this woman. I want to save her. I want to help her. I feel like all I knew was that whatever she was saying was so important and that, there was sacrifice. I could hear that, you know, that made me want to go, is she dead or is she alive or is she, you know? And I just remember thinking, this is how I want my music or whatever it is I create, you know what I mean? Or that I'm a part of, this is how I want it to stop people and affect people, you know, even if it's just fun, you know what I mean? Just right. still should affect people, I think so, because that, that, that just sort of changed the way I approached what it is I was going to put into the world, you know? love that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And the next question is, what inanimate object, what thing, this could be a movie, this could be a song. We just did Strange Fruit, so let's not do Strange Fruit again. Yeah, but no, no. A, it could be a teddy bear that you take everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, your lucky sweater, whatever it is. What thing yeah. has meaning for you? One thing. Okay, let's see. What one thing I mean, it could be the flower that Billie Holiday wears. It can be whatever you has yeah. power for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let me just say, okay, two things, right? I'll say the flower she wears, absolutely, because that's something that I started doing in my life because of her, you know. And you always did gardenias? Because in the movie, it's not just gardenias, which always... <laughs> She wore, she, well, it was primarily gardenias, but she wore a, 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 a variety of flowers, you know. She liked just um, different styles. It just mainly had to be white. That sort of was her thing, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So there was an accurate depiction of a flower that she wore that was, like, made out of feathers, you know. So she, she just wanted it to be kind of white flowers, but it wasn't always gardenias. And so for me, it's not always gardenias. And, and sometimes when I wear flowers in my hair, it's more like a Valley of the Dolls, you know, type of look, you know. Uh-huh. I love that. Yeah. So I will say that is, is one, but I, let's see more than anything. I'll also say my cross necklace, right. You know what I mean? Cause I think my faith is a big, um, I try, I can at least consider myself to be a very spiritual person. And I just want people to encounter like, you know, unconditional love that I've encountered when they encounter me, you know what I'm saying? And I want people to feel loved and seen and celebrated and accepted and sort of rejoiced over. And, and that, that reminds me of that purpose here is to, to, you know, to love God, but also to love and to serve other people, you know what I mean? And to regard them as, as higher than myself. So that's a, I think that's an important, an important one for me. Now I say it's important, but my boyfriend lost it. So. (laughs) (laughs) Was it a, was it a gift from, from someone? That's why it was important. It was this beautiful <laughs> white and yellow gold cross that my father bought me. So I was, I just, it's like been gone recently and I used to wear it all the time. So I'm bringing it up because I love it, but I'm also bringing it up because if anybody sees it, you know, how <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any idea where you lost it? I don't know. I, my boyfriend's always got all of this 
gear and all this stuff and all this whatever stuff in it. So I don't know. I feel like it's probably literally in a pocket of a backpack somewhere at his house. And it's just been there for like two years now. <laughs> Did you have to take it off when you played Billy? It was lost by then. So <laughs> just obviously I still think about it that frequently. <laughs> I have yet to find one that just like brings me as much joy. So anyway, I'm also saying that because if y'all got any beautiful white and yellow gold, holler at your girl. Well, you know, we'll put it out there. I'm yeah, sure I'm sure you'll be you'll you'll start getting some gifts. What? Okay, the next question is an event in your life that you thought was going to be negative, but turned out to be a positive. To give you an example, like you thought the guy that you were madly in love with was the one you broke up and then you met your boyfriend. Mm, Or or you thought you wanted a particular part in a movie and then because you didn't get that part, you got another part in another movie or, you know, something, something that felt like a failure that turned out to be something that was really actually a good thing. Ah, okay. Because I was going to say this movie. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, hell no. This is a terrible idea. I fought this tooth and nail to like the bitter end. I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm so terrified. I'm scared of this role. I am 100% certain I'm going to be terrible. So let's just start there. Um, yeah. So did I you mean, express that to Lee when you met with him? Did you say I'm oh going yeah. to be terrible? Oh yeah. Oh my God. I did. I told, I was going through the process. I was like, all right, I'm in it. I'll try it out and I'll try whatever. You know, cause he didn't want to work with me either. You know what I mean? So I, but I was like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm going to dive in with him with this, but I was like, I just feel like there's better people. Literally when he told me I got the role, I was like, whoa, me and my people were like, whoa, it was just so crazy. And then I asked him, I was like, are you sure you looked at like everybody? Like, you know, I just don't know. I I don't really want to be the person you make this huge mistake on. (laughs) So I was like, shit, I literally. Which part of it worried you the most? Uh, you know what? It was being, first of all, A, I'm not even going to sugarcoat or try to find something more noble. I did not want to be terrible. Like, that was the main thing. I was like, this is going to be embarrassing. And then the other huge part was like, this is Billie Holiday. I love her. Like, I don't yeah. want, I don't want to be terrible and then be terrible, especially making a remake of Lady Sings the Blues, which I love Diana and Diana's performance and the movie, but I'm also a fan of Billie. So I didn't want to tell a story that I knew wasn't the full picture of the government going after her and her fight for singing Strange Fruit. I also didn't want to be like a fucking stain on Billie Holiday's legacy, you know? I was like, oh my God. You know, so I just, oh, it felt suffocating at a certain point. Like I just wanted to breathe and come up for air and forget that this was happening. But, you know, I'm so glad. I really do feel like it's something God brought me to and through because I would have self-sabotaged and I would have not done it, you know? And I was like, it was literally a prayer and like reading this scripture about being caused to do an act of great faith and walking through it that literally made me do it. You know what I mean? It's interesting that you're religious and you also had to do so many things for this movie that were, shall we say, sins. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you had to learn to smoke. You had to, you know deny yourself enormous amounts of food, I'm sure. You had yeah, to be a drug. Yes. I mean, you had to really 
literally yeah. commit sins to create this. A lot of weight, just generally be more sexual. I actually made a personal vow or like almost seven years ago now to, um, to be abstinent. So that's another thing that's like having to open up these parts of my head and my mind. But you know what? I tell people, God really gave me a piece about this. And I, I do feel like because we have a lot of voices who are very, very, very loud in this space and in this season, or at least when I say season, I mean particularly the past administration. Yes. But, um, you know, that I feel like are very loud that I just feel like, I don't know, I have encountered God's love in such a powerful, beautiful way. And, and, and so for me, I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to live out loud with that because I feel like people are getting this kind of crazy ass picture that really what we don't truly understand is how manipulative it is and seeing faith from the lens of white patriarchy, right? You know what I'm saying? That's um, that's another thing that I feel like has been, you know, not that obviously all white men are. I just mean that seeing yourself and your faith in these things, seeing yourself as a woman, seeing myself as a black woman, seeing myself as a Christian, you know what I mean? As, or I, as I say, a person who has a relationship with Christ, right? Religion, religion is not what I am. So I, I, I'm usually very adamant about that. I'm spiritual and in a relationship, but you know, to see those things through all of that array of stuff, everybody's own purpose and their life and their path. Everybody's journey is different. Everybody. I mean, there's so many different figures and characters in the word that I read and all these, you know, books that I read that are all different and all varied and all loved, you know, and then when we come down to culture now, it's like everything through the lens, like I said, of sort of the overarching white, you know, patriarchal societies. Uh, it's, I think it is limiting and not only limiting, limiting, I take it a little step further to say possibly toxic, right? To see yes. yourself through yes. that lens. Yes. Yeah. So it's, I think it's, I think people find it interesting because they're so used to those voices inhabiting that space and that and controlling that narrative. So I have a real, you know, real desire, not for everybody, I mean, not for everybody to be or whatever, you know, but just for the, at least for when they encounter me, I want them to encounter what I've encountered, which was just truly, truly unconditional love. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah, it is interesting, <laughs> but I think it's because of where we come from, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. Yeah. Did you miss playing her? Did you miss her when you stopped? I miss her right now. I miss her <laughs> as we're talking. I will tell you that, to be honest with you. I, I, I miss... Yes, I, I was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life was to leave set, which is funny because it was the hardest thing I had to do to get on set. <laughs> I didn't get prepared for the role. I was like, get me the fuck out of here. But, uh, but you know, I, uh, and then by the time we get to the end, my co-stars, Lee, everybody's probably looking at me like, damn, girl, you clingy as hell. I'm like, I don't want to leave you guys, please. So it was just like, I, I was I was saying bye to Montreal. I was saying bye to these characters. I was saying bye to to Lee to to these just these people and this moment as we knew it because I knew that I would still know them once we got back here and they would say we still know you and I'm like yeah but I know you as Billy. I know you as 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 Lee on set as the director. I know you as Jimmy. I know you as Lester. I know you know and you guys as well. But. It was just something so special about the moment and so special about their talent, watching these people and feeling her spirit. I have to tell you, I still have moments where I just feel like where she's still very present. And then I still have moments where I, I struggle with the idea of fully letting her go, for sure. And the final question is a purely joyous moment in your life, a purely just fantastic thing that happened to you 
you could say winning the globe or whatever it is that you want to feel. Want well, to say. first of all, yes, that was joy. I would, except I have a niece and a nephew and it's just nothing tops that, you know what I mean? But uh-huh. well, maybe if I have my own kids one day, it'll top it. But the birth of my niece and the birth of my nephew just changed me. I mean, you know, that's those, that's, those are your second kids, right? Those are like yes. your other kids, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, How I love family. Now? My niece is about to be three and my nephew is going to be one soon. So yeah, oh, wow. I am I'm in love with, you know, what's funny. Can I just tell you a little story? I'm gonna post this on my Instagram too, girl. So I was just thinking kids are just fascinating to watch. There was, it was during Thanksgiving. There was, my father has a coffee table in his house um, him and his wife that, that and it's glass. So it's like a mirror coffee table. And I have a video of her. I says, what's this little girl doing? And I look over and she's in the coffee table mirror staring at herself. And she's like, I love you. I love you. <laughs> and what killed me was when she was like, you're my dear friend. I was like, what the <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, kids get it. That's the energy for 2021 all day. <laughs> Were you, a, were you a theatrical child? Oh my God, yes, I was. That was ridiculous. Like, <laughs> which is so funny. My dad laughs at how scared I was to do this movie. He was like, you've always been dramatic. <laughs> so um, yeah, and she, I see a lot of that. It's funny how as her aunt, I can see a lot of that in her for sure. You know, she's hilarious. But yeah, I definitely, definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> Did you sing them lullabies? Did you sing them to sleep? I actually do. I sing to her because I just want music and great music to be just a part of their psyche and their upbringing and all of that stuff and different types of music too, you know? So I obviously play them the greats and then who I love the Stevies and, you know, of the world on down to just like newer artists as well as I don't want them to be limited in what it is that they love too. So, you know, I just play them music from you know, around the world, whenever I see them, it's, it's difficult being this busy and watching them grow on FaceTime, you know, with this pandemic and all of this stuff too. It's, um, it's hard, but you know, yeah, I want them to be exposed to all different types of music, not just again, to love music, but also to just expand the almost the absorbability, right. Of their brain, of their mind so that they can, you know, I think it just, like I said, helps kids to learn and process information and emotions better. So and they can be like you. Yeah, exactly. That's why I joke with their parents. I was like, I'm raising them to be exactly like their aunt. They're like, we hate you. I have one more question. Did you take anything of Billy's from set? Do you have anything of hers that you kept from the movie? Of course. I stole so much and I didn't have no shame. Not one ounce of shame about it. I took a damn coat, did some jewelry, took some lingerie. But then I felt hella bad because Lee and Pam... Um, you know, obviously Lee Daniels, director, and Pam Williams, producer, <laughs> they gifted me one of Billy's cults, her famous one, actually, that they had a replica of. And it made, I literally cried like a baby because it had the initials LD in it for Lady Day, it would also stand for Lee Daniels. So it just like, ugh. So then I felt guilty because I was like, shit, they just gifted me this coat. But they knew. Everybody knew. I didn't try to hide that I was stealing. I don't care. I had no shame. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's wonderful to talk to you. And I, you will hear me screaming when you win the Oscar. Oh, so. you such a blessing. Man, I love you. I love talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank well, you so much. You. Take care. And I hope I see you soon. Yes. Yeah, speak soon. Take, Take care. care. Bye. much for listening to Five Things with Lynn Hirschberg. 
I would like to thank the Crosby Hotel in New York City. Thank you so much to Julie Fontaine. I'd also like to thank Michael Beckert for all of his help and patience. I'd like to thank Sarah Moonves, who makes everything possible at W Magazine. I'd also like to thank Robin Shore for her brilliant theme song. And thank you to Rich Serbini and Max Solomon at Hangar Studios. To view more W Magazine content, please follow us on Instagram at WMag or check out my screen tests on W Magazine's YouTube channel. And I'd also like to thank Zora. Zora.